Each episode of this podcast will be a bit different, which shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone considering who's making this thing. My name's Jay, introvert extraordinaire and procrastinator extreme, and I really, really hate the sound of my own voice. So I figured, why not make a podcast forcing me to have to listen to the jarring timbre of my own vocals, yeah? And no, that doesn't mean I'm going to sing. That would be weird. But I am going to read random things I've written over the years. Sometimes poems, sometimes short stories, sometimes journal entries, essays, or just random thoughts, feelings, insights, and whatnot that come to me at, you guessed it, typically three in the morning. The topics will range from personal beliefs, to random commentary on past and current pop culture, to books I've read, or music I love, to interesting things I've learned, to my take on various forms of fiction and literature, or taboo tropes I adore or despise in particular fiction, to, well, really just about anything. I also like to add in a word of the day to help broaden our vocabulary skills and even provide inspiration which can strike at any time for any reason. And, as a disclaimer and trigger warning of sorts, most of this is unscripted and uncensored, so expect quirky, raw, honest, and undoubtedly controversial material to randomly pop up and be discussed, or simply pop up, no discussion needed. If you like what you hear, then share this podcast with your friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, random stranger you meet on the train, and subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes are released. I'm going to try getting them out on Thursdays, with an occasional Sunday thrown in if I'm feeling up to it. You can also drop me a voice message on Anchor with questions or suggestions. Hello, and welcome back to the third episode of Hauntoberfest, my month-long feature event. Throughout the month, I will be showcasing books of the ghoulish, freakish, terrifying, disturbing, and macabre. I will accompany these freakish delights with musical recommendations in the second half of the show, and, if I'm able, put together a playlist or two of music that inspires the mood. I've also decided to group each week by a theme to give my selections focus and some semblance of coherence. For week three, our theme is called Death is Just the Beginning. Now, how I interpret that is by finding books about ghosts, ghost stories, paranormal, hauntings, the afterlife, death, morbidly romantic or simply gothic romance, you know, with a deathly twist to death do us part and all that, possessions and seances, you get the picture. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to give a couple announcements first, since I honestly keep forgetting to add them into each episode week in and week out. So first up, I just wanted to thank all those who listen and support Inspiration Strikes, typically at three in the morning. I'm honestly surprised each time I check my podcast to see people are actually listening to this thing. I didn't think that was possible. This was, is, was at least started out as an experiment, a way to help me feel more comfortable talking and such, and to help me deal with 
just how much I hate the sound of my speaking voice, even if my head voice is probably the most phenomenal thing I have ever heard and will always love from the very bottom of my cold and withered little heart. So yeah, thank you all for actually, I don't know, following me, supporting me, listening to my bullshit, staying with me week in and week out. I mean, I honestly, I'm, I'm just, I'm shocked and 1000% in disbelief it's even real. I don't have the slightest idea why y'all are here, but listen, I'm not complaining in the least. Now that that's out of the way, I wanted to share a bit of space news with all of you. So this would be the second thing that I wanted to announce. Uh, I'm a bit of a science and space buff, even though I don't specifically talk about it here on this podcast. And I follow space news near religiously. So what I'm going to tell you, I should have shared with you weeks ago, but I don't know. I guess I just thought everybody would know about this really cool upcoming event since it may very well be the first time it's occurred in your lifetime. Hopefully by now, you should know just how incredibly special this year's Halloween is going to be. And if not, then let me enlighten you. So this year, we are going to have a super rare blue moon on Halloween. That's right, you heard me. This is a once in every 18 to 19 year occurrence. So pretty much like every couple decades. Not only did we have our annual harvest moon on October 1st, Oh, and I do hope y'all got a chance to see it. It was beautiful. It was like the night was day. It was just so freaking bright. But I digress. Even if you didn't get the chance to see that, you'll have another opportunity as we'll also be treated to a particularly spooky night on Halloween night with a second full moon. And in case you were wondering, or are just really bad at maths, the last time we've seen such an event was back in 2001. However, it was only apparent for Central and Pacific time zones. This is going to be the first time a Halloween full moon will appear for all time zones since 1944. Talk about being once in a blue moon. So... What exactly is a blue moon? Well, as I've already mentioned, it's when there are two full moons in a single calendar month. So don't be expecting the sky to light up with an actual blue tinge moon or anything. I very much doubt the universe would grace us with such a sight. Though cool as it may be. Sorry to disappoint. A blue moon is just the terminology used when a month has two full moons in it. Likewise, if a month has two new moons in it, the second one is called a dark moon. So this event occurs because the lunar cycle and the calendar year don't quite match up. So we end up with two beautiful full moons in the same calendar month, like every three years or so, if I, if I remember correctly. However, 
for that second full moon to fall on Halloween. Well, that certainly makes this a once-in-a-lifetime blue moon, don't you think? At any rate, if you're planning on trick-or-treating or simply star or moon gazing that night, don't be surprised to find your night brighter than ever with a dazzling blue moon hanging above in its celestial mantle for all to see. And now for my final and very belated announcement. Besides all the really cool, spookish, and kinky events happening this month, because let's be honest, October is also LGBT History Month. I don't remember if I mentioned this before, but yeah, it's all about encouraging openness and education about LGBT history and rights. If you haven't heard of it, though, I wouldn't be too surprised. I wouldn't, because I believe this is a U.S. and a Canadian thing predominantly. Um, but for those in the U.K., I think you guys get February, right? Yeah, I think so. And anyway, for the rest of the world, however, perhaps you can still celebrate it unofficially and you know who knows perhaps one day your country might have an lgbt history month of their own too here in the u.s it was celebrated first celebrated that is in october of 1994 but was only declared a u.s national history month by president barack obama back in 2009 so i mean you never know, right? Anyway, I'm no historian and certainly not going to try regaling you with facts about famous and infamous LGBTQ historical figures who did this awesome thing and that. I can't even begin to express how pretentious that would make me seem simply because there is no way I do something like that unless I happen to find out something really, really cool and just couldn't keep my mouth shut about it. So instead, I should hope you see where this is going. Um, however, I didn't really intend this originally. What I'm going to do is um, work this in with Hauntoberfest. Um, most of the books and music selections for this week, for this week's episode, that is, they basically feature prominent LGBTQIA plus content, um, characters, plots, storylines, you know, what, what, what have you, what name you, whatever. Um, and like I said, I didn't intend this originally when I was kind of putting together everything. Um, guess it's a happy coincidence or something because legit, I, I mean, either that or maybe my brain was subliminally trying its darndest to make shit work for me. I don't know. Honestly, I, I, I don't know. At any rate, announcements are now done. Let's finally get on with this week's episode of Hauntoberfest, shall we? Our first book is called Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas, page count, 352 pages, 
and the synopsis goes as follows. Yadriel has summoned a ghost, and now he can't get rid of him. When his traditional Latinx family has problems accept accepting his gender, Yadriel becomes determined to prove himself a real brujo. I'm probably butchering that word. I'm very sorry. With the help of his cousin and best friend, Maritza, he performs the ritual himself and then sets out to find the ghost of his murdered cousin and set it free. However, the ghost he summons is actually Julian Diaz, or Julian, Julian Diaz, um, the school's resident bad boy. And Julian is, or maybe it is Julian, I don't know. I'm going to say Julian. I'm sorry if it's pronounced differently. Um, Julian is how I would normally pronounce that name. Yeah. However, the ghost he summons is actually Julian Diaz, the school's resident bad boy, and Julian is not about to go quietly into death. He's determined to find out what happened and tie up some loose ends before he leaves. Left with no choice, Yadriel agrees to help Julian so that they can both get what they want. But the longer Yadriel spends with Julian, the less he wants to let him leave. So is it completed? Yes, it's completed. My thoughts on the book? Well, this one is a new release. It just came out last month, um, October, no, um, September 1st, if I remember correctly. Um, I haven't read it yet, but from all the hype, it sounds like something I'd actually find quite interesting. Um, naturally, from the description, you can tell it's a queer tale about ghosts, people of color, and Latinx culture and I'm all in for it. Uh, also, this book's cover is seriously giving me life, so yeah, you should definitely check it out. Um, the cover is beautiful. I don't know who the illustrator is, which is a little sad, but um, very, very nice cover. Uh, it's illustrated, so it's not like photo shop whatever whatever it's an illustrated drawing and um like i said just really pretty i like covers like that i know some people get turned off because they're like oh is this like a you know an, a graphic novel or something and i'm just like, oh whatever the fuck it, it it looks really good um yeah it has nice color symmetry to it and everything beautiful reds and yellows and browns and olives and oh it, it's pretty it's pretty um so yeah you know this one is basically brand new so you should be able to find it pretty much anywhere um that would sell books like this i believe it's ya so you would be checking that section um you could definitely find it in the big major retailers amazon barnes and noble stuff like that and um because it's brand new and it's kind of came out for the season you know it's probably uh an easier find to find in your local bookstores, I would think, um, so long as they're not, you know, homophobic or racist or whatever, <laughs> they should have the selection out because everybody's pretty hyped about this book. Okay, so our second book is actually a novel series called Not Dead Yet Collection, uh, books one through three. So, um, the books are by Jen Burke, 
and uh, the three titles are called Not Dead Yet, Give Up the Ghost, and Graveyard Shift. Um, the page count for each one is about 259 to 300 pages each. And this is the synopsis for the first book, because obviously each one would have their own, you know, plot and whatever. So this is for the first book. Dying isn't what it used to be. Wes Cooper was dead. Then he wasn't, though he's not exactly alive either. As an immortal, not ghost, he can transition between this world and the other plane, which makes him the perfect thief for hire. For 70 years, he's made a living quote-unquote, returning items to their rightful owners, seeing his fair share of the bazaar in the process. But he's never witnessed murder until now. His latest mission brings him more than he's bargained for, a very dead actor who is definitely going to stay that way. It's just Wes's luck that his ex-boyfriend, Detective Hudson Roges, is assigned to the case. Hudson broke Wes's heart years ago, and could again, given he's rocking that hot silver fox look that shouldn't be legal. As they work together to track down the murderer before anyone else gets hurt, it becomes clear Wes and Hudson have unfinished business. And when a secret Hudson's been keeping threatens more than just their happiness, it might mean the end of their not-life together permanently. This first book is approximately 91,000 words in length, so it's a decent size, um, and yeah, I believe each of the other two books are probably around the same in length, or maybe a little bit longer. So is it complete? I think so. I mean, it's got three books so far, each one following the life of the main character, Wes Cooper, so I suppose there could come out with another to continue along in that vein, but from what I gather, each book is more or less self-contained and complete in and of itself. So, yeah, um, I think each book might pick up elements from the previous book or books, but I think once you get to the last page of each book, then you're done. Like, one way or another, you're done. So it's not like you're left with cliffhangers. At least that's what I believe. Now my thoughts. So, I haven't read this one. That's the reason why I'm giving you these sort of vague answers as to whether or not it's complete. Um, and, you know... Truthfully, I don't even know. I honestly have no idea why I decided on this book instead of any other, except that it sounds mildly interesting, and I haven't really read anything like it before. Understandably, the cover's hideous. God-awful. I mean, and this is for all three books. It's... It's so generic. <laughs> like... It really is. It is so generic, you know, and especially for the paranormal romance book genre, you know, but whatevs. It's gay as fuck. Paranormal, scary, probably smutty, and oh yeah, Dimension gay. You know, what, what's not to love? And yes, don't answer that. Probably everything besides it being gay as fuck, but you, you know, you know. 
at any rate, um, listen, this isn't usually my cup, but my, my cup of tea, um, and for good reason, I feel like this genre is so cookie cutter. I think that's really what it is because it's not like if I ha- I've never read paranormal romance books before. I have, you know. Personally, I thought that would have definitely been right up my alley, but they are they are so cookie cutter or cliche or just. Oh, I mean, it's basically the same way how I feel about romance books, like just romance books. I'm not talking about books that have romance in them. I'm talking about just the romance books. They're so fucking generic and cookie cutter and just, mm. um, yeah. So once again, this isn't really my cup of tea, but... I really actually do like that synopsis, and I'm hoping that maybe this series might, even if it doesn't break the mold, that it's at least decent. Um, and I know that it is a very popular genre, especially now that they are bringing in um, MM romance, you know, and, and just other forms of queer romance into the genre. I know it's, I guess it's, it's, it sells, um, but once again... Is it good? I don't know, but I hope it is. So, uh, yeah, that's my, my that's my thoughts on it. At any rate, uh, this one I know for a fact you can find it on Amazon. That's where I found it. Uh, and like I said, it's probably available in other retailers. I don't know if you're going to find this in store. I highly doubt it. This is probably one of those that may just only have a Kindle or an ebook edition released. So uh, I would suggest look for online retailers that sell it. Yeah, that's my that's my two cents. Now on to our third book, which is called Plain Bad Heroines. <clears throat> Excuse me, lost my voice for a second there. So um, Plain Bad, Plain Bad Heroines, and it is by Emily M. Danforth, who's the author. And the illustrator, illustrator, is Sarah Lutman, Lotman, something. <laughs> At any rate, um, page count is a bit higher than a lot of the other books that I've recommended to you. Six hundred and eight pages. For me, that's just a walk in the park. But you know. Um, At any rate, it's. This, this this one's a bit of a mess not in a bad way either just it's a bit of a mess so um yeah let's get on to the synopsis and you'll you'll see what i mean the author of the young adult novel the miseducation of cameron post makes her adult fiction debut with this horror comedy centered on a cursed new england boarding school for girls This spooky gothic tale begins in 1902 when two students meet an untimely demise and continues a hundred years later as infamy and legend grow around the quote-unquote haunted school. So, this is like, like I said, this is like the 
blurb as well. So um not trying to bluster this, you know, author or anything. This is just what it says. Um, the award-winning author of The Miseducation of Cameron Post makes her adult debut with this highly imaginative and original horror comedy centered around the cursed, yeah, it's like very repetitive at this point, cursed New England boarding school for girls, a wickedly whimsical celebration of the art of storytelling, sapphic love, and the rebellious female spirit. <laughs> that alone should give you some idea of what we're to expect. Okay, here here we go. Our story begins in 1902 at the Brook Brookhans Brookhans School for Girls. Flo and Clara, two impressionable students, are obsessed with each other and with a daring young writer named Mary McLean, the author of a scandalous best-selling memoir. To show their devotion to Mary, the girls establish their own private club and call it the Plain Bad Heroine Society. They meet in secret in a nearby apple orchard, the setting of their wildest happiness and ultimately of their macabre deaths. This is where their bodies are later discovered, with a copy of Mary's book splayed beside them, the victims of a swarm of stinging... What? The victims of a swarm of stinging, yellow, angry... This is where their bodies are later discovered, with a copy of Mary's book splayed beside them, the victims of a swarm of stinging, angry yellow jackets. Less than five years later, the Brookhans School for Girls closes its door forever, but not before three more people mysteriously die on the property, each in a most troubling way. Over a century later, and the now abandoned and crumbling Brookhans is back in the news when Wunderkind writer Merritt Emmons, 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 I'm going to say Emmons, publishes a breakout book celebrating the queer feminist history surrounding the haunted and cursed Gilded Age institution. Her best-selling book inspires a controversial horror film adaptation starring celebrity actor and lesbian it girl Harper Harper playing the ill-fated heroine Flo opposite B-list actress and former child star Audrey Wells as Clara. As the Brookhands opens its gates once more and our three modern heroines arrive on set to begin filming, past and present become grimly entangled or perhaps just grimly exploited and soon it's impossible to tell where the curse leaves off and Hollywood begins. A story within a story within a story, and featuring black and white period illustrations, Plain Bad Heroines is a devilishly haunting modern masterwork of metafiction that manages to combine the ghostly sensibility of Sarah Waters with the dark imagination of Marsha Pezel and the sharp humor and incisive social commentary of Curtis Sittenfeld into one laugh-out-loud, funny, spellbinding, and wonderfully luxuriant read. Holy fuck, was that not the most pretentious thing I ever read in my life? <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Um, 
Wow, that was really... You see, it read better silently in my head than it could ever be read out loud. It just sounds like a whole bunch of goobly gush. But listen, it actually, like... Besides the goobly gush, it's... It's pretty cool because of exactly that last paragraph where it's like a story within a story within a story. So basically it's like it begins or the, 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 the main outside story of it is this school, okay? And these two girls who had better be lesbians, I would be very upset if they are not. Um, the, these two girls, you know, end up getting killed murdered maybe who knows but they die mysterious circumstances at their school um then their school shuts down about five years later but only after at least three more people or presumably girls um, are also killed on the grounds all in mysterious ways skip to a hundred years later when a new best-selling author is writing about the place and you know, it's become such a big hit that they're going to make a movie out of it. And they decide, let's film the movie back at the original place. So once again, the school is reopened for the filming crew, etc, etc, all of that stuff. And now, um, the cast has been, you know, has been made. So we have our main girl and, um, the the well not not main girl our um celebrity it girl and b-list actress you know playing the roles of the original two girls who were killed and of course our author um and i guess the story would then be their story as they enact their script about these girls in the place where they died while the story about what's happening to them while they're filming is going on. So like I said, it's like, it's like, as, as you well see, it's a story within a story within a story. So that's the main premise of it. That synopsis was so convoluted though. But anyway, yeah. So is it completed or not? I have no idea, but it's looking like it should be a standalone one shot something um i could be wrong i have no idea um so my thoughts well first things first part of the reason why i cannot definitively say anything really about this book besides its goobly gush synopsis is that it's not out yet and is slated to be released october 20th so yeah <laughs> Um, but what caught my eye about this one? Well, everything, to be honest with you. Um, from the gorgeous book cover to the enticing, yet really just goobly gush, okay? Like, that's the goobly gush synopsis, okay? Um, I'm still all over this book, honestly. It sounds like it could be a hot mess and hopefully in a good way um so yeah I, I i do want this one i really do um you know it it has the potential 
to be really good. It also obviously has the potential to be really, really bad, and I really hope that's not how this plays out. Um, because it sh- it really it should be good. Um, I ha- listen. I know a lot of people have read the Miseducation of Cameron Post. I have not. I started to, and then I lost my advanced reader's copy. Um, that's that's a, a tale for a, an entirely different instance. Um, so that is why I have not actually finished reading it. From what I do remember, it was pretty good. I only got like into the lo- like the first couple chapters. Um, so. You know, at least I know the author is decent at writing. I don't know. Like I said, I, I don't know who wrote this description because they need help. Like, they, they seriously need to learn how to... Mm. Uh, <laughs> but, like I said, the, the second I get my hands on this book, I'm going to devour it in like a whole night or afternoon or whatever. I'm not going to let what happened to the my last arc by this author happened to this one. Um, I'm going to just read it in one go. But, um, yeah, listen, I I think this one suits the theme of death is just the beginning rather well, you know, from, from what I, from what I read. Uh, it's queer, humorous, got ghosts and hauntings and, Listen, it just, it literally sounds like the perfect recipe for disaster or success, or both. So, why not? Um, Like I said, it's not out yet, but I know you can definitely pre-order it and find it on many online retailers. Um, Obviously, it will not be out in books, in the actual, like, bookstores and local retailers until the 20th, at least. Um, Who knows, maybe even later. So if you do want your copy, I would suggest you pre-order it, or I guess you can wait until after the 20th, whatever suits you best. Um, you know, definitely the big retailers will have it, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, um, Better Book Worlds, Book Depository, etc., etc., etc. Like, these, these places will have it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's about it. Uh, but, here we go. Before we go to our next book, a short message from our sponsors. And we're back. So, our fourth book is a short and old as fuck manga series called Eerie Query. Um, yeah, this one is old, guys. Really old. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm dating myself here. Sorry. Okay, so it is by Shuri Shiozu. And the page count f- for each book is somewhere between like 184 to 116 pages. Right then, synopsis. Mitsuo Shiozu, yes, she used her own last name, unless that last name is, of course, an alias, so, you know. Mitsuo Shiozu seems to be particularly attractive to spirits. 
His mind and body are taken over in succession by two female ghosts who use their incorporation (laughs) to resolve something left undone by their untimely deaths. Gender-bending hijinks ensue. Right then. So this one really does not see like the last one had this big, gigantic, convoluted synopsis. And this one has like this vague, I mean, it it gives you some idea, but it's still vague and really, really fucking short synopsis, which neither one of them really helped to explain what this, what they're about. So this one here is, like I said, it's about this cute little boy named Mitsuo and he is basically like in the um spiritual psychic whatever world they would say he is um his 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 energy is open and because of that it makes it very easy for spirits to take possession so basically he's a he's easily he's easily susceptible to possessions um and that is basically the premise of the 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 four books oh yes is it completed or not yes it's completed the series has four books in it okay so that's the the premise um and basically what happens is as he goes along you know there's like throughout his life no one's ever really been able to help him and a lot of times they think he's faking it they think he's just like you know a prankster or whatever and that sort of thing and no one believes that he really has no control over himself or his body or whatever when these ghosts take possession of him. I mean, it's the ghosts that are doing whatever it is they're doing. But of course, everyone else just sees him, you know, causing a muck and freaking people out and whatever. Especially because a lot of times the ghosts that take possession of him are female. (laughs) So, um, he ends up meeting, you know, a priest uh another boy who he's not a priest but he um has a very deep and intimate understanding of the supernatural realm and world and um another boy who comes to you know at first sort of think he's crazy but eventually ends up liking him and he, just a whole bunch of stuff so like i said as as, as, it, as it says gender bending hijinks ensue but it's also um this kind of cute like underlying romance beneath it all yeah like i said it's definitely a comedy first um first and foremost and it's shown and i definitely um but yeah anyway anyway my thoughts on the book so, like I said, um, this is some serious, serious, old-school, yaoi, shonen-ai shit here, okay? This is, like, really, really old-school, okay? The drawings are basic at best. The storytelling is probably dated, or at least problematic to some of the delicate sensibilities of far too many people nowadays you know probably look at it and be like oh my god how is this happening or why would they do this and consent and mm, listen is still a good freaking story i haven't read it in like an age but i remember how much i look forward to getting my hands on the next volume and just how devastated i was when it seemed as though um 
either the publisher was going to drop it, you know, Tokyo Pop, um, or my bookstore was just not going to get me the next volume. <laughs> and I was just mad because like I said, this, this was, this was a pretty good, um, series. This is definitely one of those that, you know, each book end you off on a cliffhanger so you really do need like the next volume to give you some sort of um conclusion you know res resolution something you know um and I think I stand with everyone else who did read this series or who knows about the series when I say that that final book was very satisfying um because it finally kind of gave us a lot of what we were looking for and hoping for and just, you know, we finally got that in that last book. I'm not going to give away anything else, but, um, yeah. So basically when I say like the art style is basic, I'm talking about like gravitation even earlier than that, but like that sort of style if you don't know what gravitation is, wow, uh, <laughs> that's some prime shonen eye yaoi shit going on there, um, super classic, um, yeah, it's like, it's not, mm, I was gonna say a little bit I know kusabi, era but I don't even know if it was that era or if it was before that era oh lord anyway listen <laughs> listen um just the fact that I'm even mentioning these eras I hope you get what I mean when I say this is old <laughs> so this is from like the 90s um early 90s yeah something like that at any rate what did I like about it well, at the time, that it was even hinting at Yaoi or Shonen Ike, to be honest with you, because basically anything even remotely smelling of queerness was a miracle and a half. And especially to find at your local bookstore. I mean, to be totally honest with you, I think this was the first dedicated Shonen Ike manga I bought here in the U.S., which is saying something. I mean, I know I had started collecting Gravitation and Demon Diary and and I mean, of course, Sailor Moon, but Sailor Moon wasn't like, this is what I mean, like, like Sailor Moon wasn't dedicated. Demon Diary, even though it was Shonen I, they still didn't label it as such and gravitation was I mean gra gravitation was but at the same time I wasn't like even with gravitation I don't think I was collecting that at that time I'm quite positive that I got eerie query first so once again this is what I mean like this is one of the first and what I mean by not to say I didn't have Shonen Ai and Yaoi manga before I did in the original Japanese but this is like the first in English copies that I started collecting so even more so this is I guess this is why specifically um 
I had to kind of put this one in here because like I said, it, it, it's been a while since I've read it. Um, so don't quote me if like something happens and you're like, oh my God, how could you recommend this? It had this in it. I don't fucking remember. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to remember every single tiny detail that happened. I do remember that there was this priest that like little boy, <laughs> but, but, but not in like the, not in like the, the, uh, the, in the media news, you know, pedophilic kind of way. I think it was more like different. I, I, at least I believe so. And if it's not, then fuck. But otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, I do think it was just like comedic in, 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 in the sense not trying to um, allude to that that nasty route in any in any regard um but once again I guess I'm gonna find out maybe I just put my foot in my mouth I don't even know at any rate I I I do believe that um this series should still kind of be available I think um, like I said, it's, it's, it, 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 it's old. So this one's going to probably be harder to come by. Uh, but you should still probably be able to find it online. You know, you might have to do a little more digging or buy like used copies or whatever. I don't know if you'll be able to find new copies of this one. Um, yeah, definitely maybe check out Manga stores like specifically dedicated manga stores or um or I suppose you can look on eBay eBay would probably have you know people might be selling their copies maybe I don't even know um yeah I don't even remember if I found it on Amazon I don't I don't know maybe like um you know if you not through Amazon but like from sellers that are selling through Amazon kind of thing whatever anyway you know if you want to try this one out um give it a shot like I said be a bit gentle because as I did mention this is an older series yeah um at any rate on to our next book (laughs) spent way too much time on that last one um so their fifth book is a novel that should be listen this this one should be well known to everyone um even if you've never read it there's no way you wouldn't know about this one so it is called haunting of hill house yes indeedy um so this one is by shirley jackson this is a classic this is um a true classic not like the last one where i was like yeah it's just old as fuck like this one is a a true classic from like frankenstein's day and that kind of thing um yeah i mean obviously not that old (laughs) i think this was probably um within this last past century at least something anyway so it's 182 pages at least my copy is it's a penguins classic um edition and um the synopsis goes as follows 
First published in 1959, Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House has been hailed as a perfect work of unnerving terror. It is the story of four seekers who arrive at a notoriously unfriendly pile called Hill House. Dr. Montague, an occult scholar looking for solid evidence of a haunting. <clears throat> Theodora, the lighthearted assistant. Eleanor, a friendless, fragile young woman well acquainted with poltergeists. And Luke, the future heir of Hill House. At first, their stay seems destined to be merely a spooky encounter with inexplicable phenomena. But Hill House is gathering its powers, and soon it will choose one of them to make its own. So, yeah, listen. Is it completed? Of course it is. There's just the one book. Um, however, I do know that there have been many parodies made off of it and um lots of tv adaptations movies the whole nine yards um in fact i think right now on netflix they are airing the tv series that they that they recently made for this and i think they just released a sequel like a like a um uh slightly connected sequel to it as well um which I think is called um The Haunting of Blythe Manor or Blythe House or something like that I haven't seen either one yet um but probably that's what I'm gonna end up watching during this month I mean quite fitting don't you think but um Yeah, this is definitely one of those. So, my thoughts. This is, this has always been one of those books, I think, I think on fondly and with a lot of terror, like complete and utter horror, to be honest with you. Um, like, especially when I was little, because of course, as usual, I read these books quote-unquote way too young <laughs> um and I guess in one sense it did sort of um mold my thinking because but let's just put it simply literally every time I've moved into a new house or a new place and especially when I was younger we moved around a lot like we didn't stay in the same place for very long at all um every time I would move into a new house this book is the first thought that would go through my mind you know and the first actual thought itself would go something like Shall this be my resting place because of the lingering malevolent forces at work here which are displeased with my purchase of this residence? Like, look, legit, no shit, old Ingly English and everything. I, <laughs> my brain would just kind of, yeah, like I would enter the place and I would just stare at all the walls and say, oh, wow, I can feel the 
angry negative forces at work here. And the truth of the matter is I was spot on like nine times out of ten. Um, and I would have to do some serious cleansing of the place to just sort of get rid of all of that malevolent energy. Or at least keep it out of my bedroom. <laughs> you know, try to confine it to like one room in the house or something. Um, yeah, this book has had one heck of a profound mark left upon my soul. <laughs> so of course it'd be the perfect book to read this Halloween season, like honestly. Um, I, I should hope that everyone, even if they've never read it, um, that they know at least about it. Um, I've seen an adaptation of it, you know, either a movie or TV series or something. Because if you haven't, you're sort of missing out. Uh, you're missing out. That's the nicest way of putting it. So, yeah. So what, so what did I like about this book? Um, well, I don't particularly want to spoil anything for you. Um, obviously expect to be disturbed. That's the best way of putting it. Expect to be disturbed and freak the fuck out. However, on a somewhat side note, though I don't really want to spoil it for you, I am going to say this. This is like non-scary bit of it. Um, let me tell you, the queer subtext, namely lesbian and feminist vibes in this one, were strong indeed. I know, I know that that, that seems like bizarre, right? But listen, granted, this isn't like an LGBTQIA plus book, okay? didn't have those kind of books back then or even if they did you know it was like you, you know what I'm talking about they had them of course but it had to be a sort of subtext you know instead of just text and this one had such obvious queer subtexts fitting of the day and age when it was written that it's actually shocking that most people didn't pick up on it but then again this is I guess what I mean when I say a lot of books back then you had to read between the lines and I remember the first time I read the book I didn't pick up I mean I picked up on something but I didn't know exactly what probably because I was too young to really pick up on it but then I read it again when I was in high school and I was like whoa <laughs> I kind of just sat there like oh how did I miss all of this you know, and I mean, the truth of the matter was I was probably being too freaked out by the book. And that's why I missed it. Um, but yeah, like I said, if you don't believe me, you know, you should check it out for yourself, you know. Um, and listen, you know, th this is kind of picking up on it a bit more. Um, I mentioned that there is a Netflix television series with the same name that's loosely based on the novel and all of that kind of stuff. And from what I have heard, apparently it makes the lesbian subtext 
text, like actual text, no sub necessary. So at least I know it wasn't just me picking up on these vibes. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So listen, you know, you should pick up a copy. This is definitely one of those that would be, um, I don't know. I mean, it is a classic, so it should be in the classics section. You should be able to find it quite easily, um, be it in your local bookstore, something. I mean, it, it should be there. Um, and obviously, if not, you'll be able to find online copies of it easily. So, um, yeah, you know, check this one out. Give it a read. Tell me what you think. Now for our sixth book. Um, going off of that haunting theme, this one is called The Haunted by Bentley Little. So this one is about 389 pages. And this is the synopsis. The Perry family's new house is perfect, except for the weird behavior of the neighbors and that odd smell coming from a dark corner in the basement. Pity no one warned the family about the house. Now it's too late, because the darkness at the bottom of the basement stairs is rising. <laughs> Dear God, just reading that scared me. <laughs> at any rate, um, is this one complete? Yes, it is. So my thoughts on it, I kind of already gave you a little bit of my thoughts of it. Um, yeah, like I said, this one, um, that, that synopsis scares me. Like, I'm not going to lie. Probably because I have been in a house which had this exact same sort of phenomenon happening in it. And it did end up panning out to be that some terrible things happened in that house. So even more so, it was like fuck you know <laughs> when i when i read books or hear about books like this i'm like well shit this is actually my life and not like fiction that they're talking about here so now i'm even more thank you for bringing up those traumatic experiences once again at any rate this one here was um chosen by a friend of mine who i was you know i was asking a bunch of people for suggestions and recommendations for what books to use for Hauntoberfest, and um this is one of the suggestions that, um, you know, I ended up adding because this contribution was just, like I said, <laughs> hit a little close to home. Um, yeah, listen, I'll, I'll have to be completely honest. After reading that description, I am 100% sure I'm going to have nightmares about this one. And also 100% sure I'm going to try to get this one to read ASAP. Um, I know I can find some Kindle copies, so some ebooks of it on Amazon, so that's probably what I'm going to get. Um, I don't think I would actually want to have a physical copy of this book in my house for any reason, because just dredging up the past, but at least if it's a digital copy, I can delete it. <laughs> you know, permanently wipe it from my system. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, listen, this one, like I said, you should be able to find wherever, um, easily. And, uh, 
hopefully it doesn't cause any hauntings to happen in your house, but you never know. (laughs) Now for our last and seventh book. This one is called Kill Creek. I just love that name. Okay, so Kill Creek by Scott Thomas. And the page count is 416 pages. Now for the synopsis. At the end of a dark prairie road, nearly forgotten in the Kansas countryside, is the Finch House. For years, it has remained empty, overgrown, abandoned. Soon, the door will be opened for the first time in decades. But something is waiting, lurking in the shadows, anxious to meet its new guests. When best-selling horror author Sam McGarver is invited to spend Halloween night in one of the country's most infamous haunted houses, he reluctantly agrees. At least he won't be alone. Joining him are the three other masters of the macabre, writers who have helped shape modern horror. But what begins as a simple publicity stunt will become a fight for survival. The entity they have awakened will follow them, torture them, threatening to make them a part of the bloody legacy of Kill Creek. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so yeah, so this one here is another haunting story because why the fuck not? Um, It is completed. And... Yeah, like that, that, that's, that's about it. So this one here is... um, Another recommendation, you know, contribution from a friend. Um, They just showed me the cover of the book and I was absolutely sold, like immediately. I love this cover. You know, I have always had such a fondness for artwork or color schemes that have that stark combination of red, white, and black. You know, it's... It's such a frightening and sensual and macabre visual imagery that oh, I, I, lo- I just love it. Listen, I love it. Um, sometimes I honestly wish I had some way to show you these covers instead of just describing them to you. But listen, mm. at any rate... Um, like I said, the cover got me immediately. Then I read the description and oh, it sounds like the premise of just kind of like any generic horror film, to be honest with you. But I don't know. There's just something about it that makes me want to be like, okay, okay, I want, I want, I want, I want to see this. I want to see this. I want to read this. I want to see, read this, like something. Okay. So, um, yeah, like I said, this one should be available on most of your online retailers. So you should be able to find it, get it, what have you, um, pretty easily. My friend got her copy in store, but then again, I feel like she probably got it a while ago ish. I don't know. I, it, it wasn't recently gotten. Um, because it, this was a book that was on her bookshelf, so I don't know, maybe like a year or two or three or whatever ago. I don't even know when this one came out, but at any rate, um, 
you might find it in stores. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. If you do, I mean, let me know. Uh, I just know that you'd definitely be able to find it online. So there's that. At any rate, that's it for our bookish showcasing. Now we'll move on to our musical selection. Oh, and by the way, if you'd like to support me and this podcast, head on over to Anchor and click that support button to become a greatly appreciated supporter of this project. No amount is too small or too large, and all proceeds will help keep inspiration strikes, typically three in the morning, up and running for the foreseeable future. So become a subscriber today if the inspiration strikes you. Now, let's continue on with some music, shall we? And we're back for the second half of this episode, which has been progressively getting shorter and shorter by the week. But never mind that. Um, So this week, I actually have a kind of proper playlist for you. I mean, it's not in any order, but at least it's a decent amount of songs. Uh, It's about 23 songs, give or take. And, um, yeah, so just like the book selection, all of these are also based on the theme, Death is Just the Beginning. So we begin off with Afterlife by Haley Steinfeld. Um, Second one, Haunted by Poe. Third one, Haunted by Evanescence. Fourth one, Strawberry Gashes by Jack Off Jill. Fifth one. Lacrimosa by Calafina. Sixth, Young and Beautiful. Now, this one, so you can either just have the original version, Young and Beautiful by Lana Del Rey, but I specifically found this version of it on YouTube that's called Young and Beautiful, But You're in an Old Cathedral. And it's just beautiful, obviously. They put on all these lovely vibrations and just it's 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 gorgeous and it has this eerie kind of you know haunting feeling that makes the already eerie and haunting song even more haunting and eerie (laughs) so um you can check it out what i think i'll do is i will link some of these like very specific versions of songs in the description so that you can you know, just click on them and go directly to those specific songs. Um, But yeah, so like I said, Young and Beautiful by Lana Del Rey. That's number six. And number seven is, of course, Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. Um, This next one is also one that I found on YouTube. I mean, I've heard it before, but... um, this specific rendition I found on YouTube. So I've heard, I've heard, like I said, I've heard this, the, 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 obviously I've heard this music before, but, um, this specific rendition is from YouTube. I don't know if you can find it on Spotify. Mayhaps. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but it is called Dark Phillies, Rainy Detuned Piano. And it is by Lucas King. Um, I have a feeling that Lucas King is probably on Spotify. 
So maybe you can check that and then see if any of the songs say anything vaguely similar to this title, because this could also just be a YouTube title and not the actual title of the music or the song. Um, but yeah, once again, I will link the description to this YouTube video in the description so that you guys can find it if you'd like. Um, the next one is Lacrimosa, but Mozart's version. So it's, you know, it's, it's Requiem. Um, if I remember correctly, I'm going to look it up. Requiem... Requiem KV 626 Sequentia Raclimosa. Yeah. So, um, once again, this is different from the Calafina version, obviously. Um, and most people, I'm quite sure, have heard it before. It is quite haunting. So, um, perfect for this theme. Haha. <laughs> Number 11 is Waltz of the Bone King by Peter Gundry. I also feel like a lot of people have probably heard this one as well. But if they haven't, trust me, you're kind of missing out. It's really good. Uh, number 12 is Haunted House by Florence and the Machine. Number 13 is Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. Number 14 is Exitus by Anomine. Number 15 is Das Omen, also by Anomine. Number 16 is Illness Illusion by Gact. Ugh, my beautiful Gact. <laughs> um, number 17 is Transylvanian Concubines by Rasputina. Number 18 is Before I'm Dead by Kidney Thieves. Number 19 is Dead Boy's Poem by Nightwish. Number 20 is Haunted Waltz. And I don't actually know who it's by. Um, this one I found on Spotify when I was looking up another song. And this was like in the list of possible suggestions because I couldn't remember the title. Um, and it popped up. And when I heard it, I was like, oh, like this is, you know, like this is classic well-known like we, we all know this kind of music um but once again it doesn't really have like a what it says it says it's by halloween music which i don't think is an actual band i think that's just like the genre of it or whatever but what i did see is that it's um from an album called spooky songs for halloween parties and haunted houses uh, like I said, this music, if you type it in, like if you, you know, type into Spotify, because I don't know if you'll find the same thing anywhere else, but if you spot, type into Spotify, Haunted Waltz, and then you look for one that's on an album called Spooky Songs for Halloween Parties and Haunted Houses, you will find it. And when you hear it, you'll be like, oh yeah, like I know this, I've heard it every time I've gone to a haunted house or, um, a house party, you know. For, for Halloween, you know, or whatever, or just they, they, they like using this music. It's pretty iconic, but it's also wonderful and beautiful and perfect for what we're looking for it to be for. So, um, yeah. Uh, next one, number 21, is My Nocturnal Serenade by Yuhio. I believe that's probably how he wants his name pronounced, Yuhio. 
Um, then we have number 22, Heaven's a Lie by Lacuna Coil. Number 23, Souvenirs by The Gathering. And lastly, number 24, AFI. And I just realized, did I go off? I, I went off, I went off counting, didn't I? Because I just realized, I was like, why are there 24 songs? There's 23 songs. <laughs> I don't know how I did that. At any rate, um, <laughs> anyway, the, the last song for this week is Silver and Cold by AFI. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, I, I, I don't have any other way to end this off in, in a nice way or whatever, but basically, I, I, you know, I, I hope you guys enjoyed this week's selection of both books and music. And yeah, we're, we're at the halfway point now. Um, yeah, <laughs> this is the nicest way of putting it. So <clears throat> I hope with that being said, I will see you all here back again next week for our fourth week of Hauntoberfest. Stay safe, wear your damn masks, and have fun with life. Cheers. Thanks for listening, and I hope to see you all back here for another episode next week, or the week after. Or the week after that. Listen, how about we not make any promises and just say, see you again another time, yeah? Cheers. Mm-hmm.